Welcome to this week's podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. For more info about Freedom Church, visit hellofreedomchurch.com. Good morning, Freedom Church. So good to be with you this morning. Um, My name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at our Grand Forks Crookston campuses. We do have a campus in Crookston, Minnesota. If you guys are tuning in, welcome. So good to have you uh, this morning. We are starting a new sermon series on prayer and fasting. Probably to no one's surprise, you've been here for the last couple weeks, been talking about it a lot. And I just want to say, does anybody this morning, did anyone's car hit the snooze button this morning? As in didn't start? <laughs> that was my car this morning and it didn't, didn't start at all. So I had to take the van this morning. So if you were home and your car is still on the snooze button, <laughs> good to have you join us. So it is good to kick off a new year, isn't it? There's something, some freshness about a new year and just to, what I want to talk this morning is just to the effect of, again, of, of prayer. Prayer and fasting, as Nathan said, we're going to talk about fasting in a couple of sermons to come, but just the idea of prayer and what is the, there's a lot of nuts and bolts that can be talked about with prayer, uh, but one of the things I want to draw out today about prayer is that prayer takes us from a, a coasting mentality takes out of the autopilot and actually brings us into an intentional, targeted spiritual life. I mean, how many of you know what it means to be on autopilot? I definitely know that. Coasting, just status quo, just kind of going through the motions. Reminds me of a guy we, I used to live with who could be a very like super intense, focused person or just totally opposite, absent-minded. And one time he... Uh, he he almost put his mouthwash in the refrigerator. Just emptying the groceries and he just bought mouthwash that day just to throw it in the fridge because I guess that's where mouthwash goes. But that was a kind of a running joke of ours that he almost did that. But when you live your life on autopilot, this kind of coasting, you miss things. And you end up finding yourself in ruts or pits that you didn't really intend to be there. But when you're on target, when you're intentional, that's when you hit your mark with the Lord. Oftentimes I would go disc golfing. I'm really into audience participation today, I guess. Anyone ever been disc golfing? All right, cool. That is a sport you cannot do most of the year here because uh, it's outside. <laughs> but there's times where I would line up on a hole and assume the first basket, which you throw these kind of frisbee discs at baskets that are a long ways away. And Oftentimes, not maybe not often, but there's times where I would just line up and get on the tee pad and then look, and the first basket I saw, I assumed that was the next one. And so I tee off and throw, and could be a beautiful or terrible throw, and then as you walk down, you realize, oh, I am way off course. Not because I didn't throw great, but because I was not on target. The target I was aiming at was, was faulty. So no matter how good or active, or your intentions are, if you're aiming at the wrong thing, or have no target at all, you're not going to get to where you want to go. You know the old adage is, if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. I think that is so true with our Christian life, with our spiritual life, and especially prayer. If we're aiming at nothing, we're going to hit it every single time. And so we're going to kick off this sermon series, and just, we're going to give some targets this morning. That maybe you feel your spiritual life or just life in general has just been on autopilot, coasting, going through the motions. You say, I'm, I don't know where I'm going and I don't know what I'm hitting. 
And this morning, 2022, we want to get on target. We want to establish some targets, some intentional direction that we can pursue, and the Lord's going to bless us. The Lord's going to bless us in that. So I want to actually start in First uh, John. This won't be our main text. If you have a Bible, access to the Bible, you can go to Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9. That'll be our main text. But I wanted to open with a, a scripture from 1 John, and it'll be on the screen as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says this. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that is God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. That is a great verse on targeted prayers. That if you ask anything in prayer in accordance with God's will, he hears you. You know, there's a lot of targets that we can build for ourselves. And there's no real promises in Scripture that if you build a target and you have a plan and agenda in life and you aim at it and it's not really what God designed for you, there's no promise that you'll hit it. There's also no promise that even if you do hit it, you're thankful that you did hit it. And I think of some targets that we create for ourselves. Comfort. Comfort as a standalone ultimate target is not really a target the Lord has designed for us. Or compromise. Just coping. Cares of the world. Deceitfulness of riches. Desires for other things. There's a lot of targets that we craft for ourselves, mainly because we're on autopilot. But here it says... This is the confidence that we have toward him. If we aim, I'm retranslating, if we aim at anything in accordance with his will, he hears us. There's reward. There's benefit in that. And so this morning, my prayer is that we would, if you feel just in that coasting, and we all have been there, that we would just kind of recognize where we're aiming recognize the direction of our life, and through the words of Jesus this morning, really craft some spiritual targets that with the Lord's help, we can hit. Craft some spiritual intentionality that with the Lord's help, he says, I am with you in these things. I will be behind you in these things. So that's my prayer for us this morning as we enter a new year and as we enter a season of prayer and fasting, a really great time just to recalibrate, okay, what am I pursuing with my life? So like I said, we can go to our main text, which is in Matthew chapter 6, and this is the Lord's Prayer. Most of us, I'm sure, are familiar with the Lord's Prayer. Maybe we're more familiar with it in the King James Version. Uh, I won't be reading from the King James Version, but for some reason, whenever we quote it as a, as a group, we always quote the King James <laughs> I don't know why that is. I do that, but I won't be reading from the King James, not because I don't like it, but because I just don't have a King James Bible up here. <laughs> so Matthew chapter 6, starting verse 9, Jesus says, pray then like this. Okay, so we'll pause there. With what we just read in 1 John, when Jesus says, pray like this, he's giving us targets. He say, this is these are the things that God will support you in pursuing. Here are the targets I'm going to craft, and I gave a couple targets that we often pursue, but there's five targets that Jesus lays out here. And they, 
You could look at them all with starting with the letter P. How awesome is that? Alliteration is so spiritual. <laughs> so five P's, five targets that Jesus lays out in the Lord's Prayer. Pray like this. Aim at this. And these are the five P's. It's praise or spirit of praise. It's power, provision, peace, and protection. I'll say those again. Praise or spirit of praise, power, provision, peace, and protection. Spiritual protection, which bleeds over into physical protection too. Those are the five P's, the five targets that if you're here this morning and you're like, man, I just need a direction. I need, I need a target. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just latch on one of those for you this morning. We'll cover them, and then we'll have some time at the end just to, to set apart for some response. But I'm really praying that one of these things, maybe multiple of them, really latches onto your heart and saying, you know, if I pursued this, the Bible says and gives me confidence that God hears me. God supports these targets. So let's look at them, starting with verse, or the, keeping going in verse 9. So it's, pray then like this. Pursue these things. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed is just kind of an older word that just means may your name be revered and honored and respected. May your name be lifted high. And so at the name of Jesus, there's just that unique, special kind of worship that rises in your heart. It's not a normal, common, ordinary name. Hallowed be your name. And hallowed be your name in my heart. Man, when I come to church Sunday mornings, when I listen to the radio or Christian worship music, when I hear the praises of Jesus, there's a special kind of reaction in my heart. That the other emotions in my heart have a way of just dissipating. And when I hear the name of Jesus, my hands go up. My mouth opens. My heart Skips a beat. My heart fills with joy at the name of Jesus. And what's cool, when Jesus says pray like this, if you pursue a spirit of praise, God is behind you in that. And do you know what takes a certain kind of emotional situation to praise? It's not just reading words on a screen and trying to keep the melody. Worship is a hallowing of Jesus' name, a revering. It's a this is this is my Lord, this is my God. You know, and if you pursue that, that has an emotional quality to it. Praise is really the battle stance of the saints. Praise is the battle stance of the saints against so many of the negative emotions that come against us each day. Praise is our defense for that. So hallowed be your name, O Lord. Fill me with a spirit of praise all the day that I wake up and I just praise your name. That I turn the dial on the radio to a Christian station because I want to worship or I find a worship song or Lord, give me that worship song that just sticks in my heart and I just sing over and over again. To be in that place, to have a continuous spirit of worship is so freeing. It's so liberating. It's so awesome. And it keeps us from getting bogged down in the weeds of anxiety, fear, doubt, strife, tension. Worship is just the great release of the heart to lift up the name of Jesus. 
Isaiah 61 gives kind of a, a fortification in that idea. Isaiah 61, verse 3. I'm going to go through a kind of a litany of verses this morning. Uh, but Isaiah 61, verse 3. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is here to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and here it is, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Do you feel like you have a faint spirit this morning? A faint spirit is a weak spirit, a a spirit that's susceptible to anxiety and fear and depression and loneliness, a spirit that isn't able to stand in each given day. Man, this is... Instead of that, I'll give you not a spirit of indifference, not a spirit of just, I'm going to check out of everything in my life and just become a monk, not a spirit of you know, anger or, or seeking out of comfort. No, I, I'll give you the garment of praise that each and every day you can look at your life and say, I'm going to praise the Lord. This cannot steal my worship of God. This cannot steal my joy. This cannot steal that when I look at the face of God or I steal away and pray or find myself in reading the word that I just have a spirit of worship rise in me. Man, that does wonders for correcting a coasting life. If you can find reason to worship the Lord today, man, that at least sets you on the tracks pursuing the Lord. Let's keep going. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And in previous sermons, we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but the kingdom of heaven is a transformative, dynamic, powerful thing. So when Jesus is saying that we should pursue the kingdom of God to come into reality on earth as it is in heaven, think of how much would change. Think of what would change in your life and in my life, in our church. If we truly prayed and pursued the way things are in heaven on the earth, man, how transformative would that be? This is not just mere talk or a mental situation. This is real power. And so that's why the second P is power. To pursue a mighty God is pleasing to the mighty God. To pursue freedom, to pursue deliverance, to pursue healing, to pursue reconciliation, to pursue miracles in the name of Jesus is very pleasing to a miraculous God. Another couple of verses, 1 Corinthians 4 talks about the kingdom of God and its really inherent qualities. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. So if you want to pursue the kingdom of God, you're pursuing power, transformation, testimonies. You're pursuing a God that can change your physical situation. And to pursue that, Jesus says, hey, pray like this. Pursue these things. But so often we get into a coasting mentality and we just cope. 
I don't know what it is about us Midwesterners, but we're good at coping. Probably because we know how to come to church when it's 40 below. You know, you can't really change the sun or the tilt of the earth, so we'll just put up with it. And there's, there's grace in that. That's good, because if you weren't like that, we wouldn't have church today. <laughs> but so many other areas of our life, God says, I've provided grace. Don't pursue coping. Pursue power. Pursue the mighty hand of God. Pursue miracles. Why wouldn't we pursue that? Matthew, a little later in the Gospel of Matthew, after Jesus says the Lord's Prayer, he kind of describes the kingdom of, of God this way. To his disciples, when he sends them out to do their own little ministry tour, he tells them, proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So tell people the kingdom of heaven is ready for you. And then show them what it, that means. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse lepers. Cast out demons. You received without pain, so give without pay. Think, man, Jesus does not mix words. Those are incredible miracles that Jesus commissions his disciples to say, go preach this. Go pursue this. Pursue this in Jesus' name. Aim at this. This is your target. That the Lord would just lay his hands on every effort that you are utilizing to get well. Bring it before the Lord and say, Lord, your blessing is on my, my life. Lay your hands on all these efforts, everything I'm doing in prayer, in these things, that your healing touch would come on my life. God is pleased with that. And as we read, that's our confidence that if we aim, if we pray things according to God's will, he hears us. But when we pray at the target of just coping, that's not what God's about. God's at power. Pray for the mighty hand of God to be real and to pursue that. You know, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Pursue these targets. Set them in front of you and go after them. The third P in the Lord's Prayer is give us this day our daily bread. And that might not seem to be an unusual target. I think we're pretty well-versed in our, just the Lord providing for us, providing for our needs, and which is really good. Give us this day really jumped out to me. This day. I know I can get so wrapped up in tomorrow's needs, tomorrow's future, or the things I'm going to need next year, or, or, when my, or when my daughters, you know, get their driver's license and start dating and whatever. I get wrapped up in the future, but when Jesus says, give us this day, it's almost like he's implying he'll give you tomorrow too. But give me this day, what I need. There's a certain peace that comes with that. He says later in that same chapter, he says, therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Gentiles kind of just meaning people you know, who aren't following the Lord. Uh, it's kind of more ethnic-based, but anyway. <laughs> and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God, which is awesome that Jesus laid it out that way in the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. May your kingdom come and give us what we need. He totally reiterates that in the next verses in the same chapter. 
Your Father knows your need, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. And I think, how often do we just kind of get into the self-sufficient coasting mentality? When Jesus says, Lord, give me what I need today. And he doesn't just say, give me like the, the fattened calf when there's a special feast day. You know, I need, when my, all my family comes over and I'm, I'm baking a turkey for, for Thanksgiving or for Christmas, you know, give me what I need in the big events. No, he's saying, give me this day my daily bread. And how often do the daily tasks fall to the back of our brain? Like we can handle our daily tasks, but when it's the unusual thing, that's when we call out to the Lord. But man, how awesome would it be if we woke up and just had a spirit of praise and say, God, I've been at this job for 20 years, and I'm going to do literally the exact same thing today that I did yesterday, and will probably do tomorrow. But Lord, would you bless the work of my hands? Would you bless these things? Would you give me a fresh ingenuity, a fresh steadfastness, a fresh co-laboring joy in the workplace? Would you give me a fresh, clear mind for what I have to do today? Would you give me my daily bread today? Man, how much would the Lord bless that? To make us all like Joseph, who was whatever he put his hands to, he just succeeded and people promoted him and people wanted him to manage what they had and wanted him. Lord, give us today from your hand our daily bread that we would truly just submit the routine things of life to the Lord. Lord, give me the parenting bread for today. Give me the patience required today. Give me the, the courage to face what I need to face today. Give me the provision, etc., etc. Man, God's behind that. God will bless you. God will answer those prayers. He will hear them. Let's keep going. Our fourth target is peace. Verse 12 in Matthew 6. It says, And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And I see this target as explaining peace with God and peace with man. Lord, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my sin. Wash my guilt away so that you and I can be reconciled. I can have peace with God, with Almighty God, that in the depths of my heart there would not be a guilty conscience, but a clear conscience. And you know what? The Lord will give it to you. The Lord will give it to you. Because that's the kind of target that God makes for you. Peace with him. Don't pursue peace in our own strength or our own you know, value or our good works or what we are able to do or how many people like us on Facebook or whatever. Pursue peace in the blood of the Lamb. I didn't earn this, but I want it. Would you give it to me, Lord? Forgive me my sins and unify us. Bring us peace. And God will. He'll do that. And it says, forgive as we also have forgiven our debtors so that my relational capacity would be at peace. The people in my life I would keep such short accounts with that it's like I don't even have them at all. 
that the people that I rub shoulders with, I would have peace with. Not strife, not offense, not bickering, but peace. And that I would be the first one to release them of their debt to me as we forgive their debts. This isn't necessarily talking about like a physical debt, like a financial debt, but a, a debt of offense that they've wronged me. And I'm quick to release them of that, quick to forgive. And Jesus says, Lord, forgive me as I'm quick to forgive others. An awesome verse on both those, having peace with God and peace with man, is in Ephesians chapter 2. Because you can actually pursue peace with man the wrong way, but it says if you, you can pursue peace with God and peace with man the same way through the blood of Jesus. That actually provides peace for both. Check this out. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 11. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh, so a Gentile is just a non-Jew. And so in those days, if you were a non-Jew, you really didn't have a lot of revelation about who God was, what he was doing, and how the Messiah was coming. You are just apart from God. Ethnically, you are not an ethnic Jew, which I am not an ethnic Jew, and most of us probably are not either. We are Gentiles. So remember that at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, verse 12, that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Man, what a stark description. That apart from Christ, we have no hope and are without God in the world. But what happened? But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off, like us, like me, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And there might be some here this morning or watching online where you have not surrendered your life to the Lord, and you feel that deep in your heart there's a gap, there's a separation, there's a guilty conscience that's kind of held over you. And you don't know how to get free. You don't know how to get out from under that. You don't know how to come into the, just your place in the world. What that deep longing is calling out for is peace with God. Because without Jesus Christ, we have no hope and are apart from God. But in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, we would have peace with God. It's like that ancient, long-lost relationship can be restored and just corrects that deep longing in our souls and in our hearts. And if you're at that place this morning, this is your morning. This is your morning to be right with God. And maybe you've known the Lord and strayed. Maybe doesn't matter. Today's a great day to get right with the Lord and just to come before him and to confess and say, by the blood of Jesus, not by my intentions or my church attendance, but make, wash me clean, Lord. And he will. But it keeps going. Verse 14. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one. Us both. What are you talking about us both? Well, the person who wrote this was actually a Jew. And so their whole nation grew up with a knowledge of God. They were entrusted with keeping the, the promises of the Messiah. They had a big job. And so for a Gentile... You know, they were unclean. They were nobody. 
But the writer of this was a Jew, and he says, for Jews and Gentiles, what Jesus has done has not only given us peace with God, but it's given us peace with our fellow man. And he often writes to the Jews saying, don't have this like hoity-toity, thou art holier than the Gentiles because they didn't know God. Give them God. And so through Jesus Christ, two separate entities, separate people, separate cultures, separate ethnicities, divided by a very important thing, which is the knowledge of God, can be brought together because of who Jesus is and what he's done. So he's made us both, two separate groups, one, and has broken down in his flesh, what he did on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility. Man, I just know there's so many relationships, families, marriages that the word hostility would just really define it. And it says that God, through Jesus, has broken down at least in us, if we're a believer, what makes for hostility? Broken it down. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both, two different groups of people, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. You know, when Jesus says, Father, would you forgive me as I forgive other people? That's, that kills hostility. The blood of Jesus has forgiven me and brought me so near, given me such an opportunity that that same blood actually washes over the debts and the offenses that I have to other people. So we have peace with God and peace with man through the same blood of Jesus Christ. And so I would encourage you again this morning, if you've been in the status quo You've been in the going through the motions, coasting of just hostility, unforgiveness, bitterness. Today is a great day to just release that. And if you're in a close relationship, maybe it's family or a a roommate or a marriage, that might be part of your daily bread prayer. Lord, give me today my daily bread of forgiveness. That I would just have a spirit of praise in what you've done for me. And that I can be quick to forgive what that other person does every single day. Routinely. And have peace with them. The Bible says, as far as it depends on you, have peace. Every way that you can have peace, have peace. The Bible doesn't obviously shackle us in this like codependence thing. But he says, as far as it depends on you, have peace in your heart with people. And that's an awesome place to be. That's an awesome place to be. Just have your heart free and cleansed and at peace. That's so good. Okay, the last one. Protection. Verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And I, I've just become accustomed my footnote says the evil one. I've just become accustomed to saying the evil one because that's where evil kind of originates from. And it's just helpful for me to think of and deliver me from the evil one. My bondage is very personal. You know, good comes from a good God and, and evil originates from an evil devil. And his forces and the spiritual forces of 
that are in the world in my flesh. So I've become accustomed to saying, deliver us from the evil one. You don't have to say that that way, but that's kind of how I, I think of it. And here's another target that we often set up. Lord, deliver me from letting my secret sins be made known. You know, Lord, deliver me from the embarrassment or the consequences of my actions. Deliver me from having the secrets of my heart actually exposed to people. Man, that's not the target the Lord is creating for us. Deliver me from the evil one. Deliver me from these sins. Deliver me from these secret thoughts. And that often means exposing them. It doesn't say, keep my reputation intact, Lord. It says, no, keep my heart intact. And oftentimes your reputation has to take a back seat when you're dealing with your heart. And so when you put the target of deliver, lead me not into temptation, deliver me from the evil, and that's at all costs. And the Lord will do that. If that's where your heart is, God, deliver me from this thing, and I don't care who needs to know. I don't care my reputation. I just want this taken care of. The Lord will do that. He will help you. But oftentimes our target is a little off of center. Lord, deliver me from the evil one, but keep my reputation too. Deliver us from the evil one, Lord, this morning. So five targets. Praise, power, provision. I look at my notes, which is the Bible. <laughs> Peace and protection. Five targets that could totally revolutionize your spiritual life in 2022. Five targets that the Lord has already said, pursue these. Pursue these things. And don't quit until you have them. And the Lord is behind you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay connected with us, visit us on our website or check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Hello Freedom Church. Have a great week.